Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. So, so I'm going. I'm going to teach tonight. Now, I'm not going to teach long, and, and I'm not going to be. I'm, I'm not going to try to be real, real serious. Uh, it is summer, but I, I do want. I do want to make some points tonight and some directives in your life. Uh, it's imperative that I drive a few things home to your life. I had a. I had an elder man one time that I used to do camps with. Uh, he was the daytime Bible teacher. I did the nighttime preaching services, and I always loved to be with him because sometimes the morning service would be very negative and I would try to come and add positive at night and it was like we couldn't get the car started because I'd have the positive pole engaged at night and the negative pole would be engaged in the daytime and I couldn't get with that and I'd jerk my eye off the battery. And, but this man was always good. We could, we could kind of start a fire in some ministers' hearts in districts and around the, around the country. And his name was J.T. Pugh and he was a West Texas man and, and he made this statement one time to me that just absolutely has never got away from me. He told me, this was when he was in his 60s, and he said, you know, you know, son, let me tell you something. I loved him because when I'd go out and preach for him in West Texas when I was in leadership, in international leadership, I'd go out and preach for him, and, and, and he would always let me stay at his house. He never put me in a hotel. And I asked his son one day, I said, you know, it's amazing. I said, I think your mom and dad really like me because they put me in their house. He said, no, no, it's not it at all. They, don't, they like a lot of people. <laughs> well, that, that blew me out of the water. But he said, he said, he keeps people at his house that thinks they'll listen. He thinks if they'll listen, he'll keep them there. If he thinks they know it all, he puts them in a hotel. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad I got to stay at his house. When I found that out, I said, wow. Pastor, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> but he told me one time, and, and this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. I'm speaking tonight on a better you. A better you. Just better. A better you. Not the best ever, but a better you. He said, every day that I live, I wake up every morning wanting to be a better man than I was yesterday. I never want to go downhill. I always want to improve on something in my life every day, whether it's my spirit of attention, whether it's my spirit of accepting people, whether it's my understanding the word of the Lord, whether it's my spirit that just wants me to have more love for my wife or more love for my kids. He said, I want to be a better person. And he said, if you will strive to do that, he said, I didn't really discover that I needed to do this till I was later on in my life. But if you'll strive to do that as a young man, he said, when you get my age, you'll, you'll be, you'll be a, in a better place than my better was when I told you about being better. And so I don't think I'm there. I really don't. But I do believe with all my heart that there is a better you available in our hearts and our lives tonight. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to speak to you today. I read about a, an Arab sheik out in California who has a limousine that is 66 and a half feet long. True story. It's a white Lincoln town car. It carries 36 people. It's in two pieces with a hitch in the middle like a tractor trailer so it can bend around corners and it has five axles. And the normal town car is 18 feet long. Most city buses are only 40 feet long, but this baby's 66 and a half feet long. 
It has two fax machines, cellular telephones, TV sets, love seats, microwave. has a satellite navigation system. The furnishes include, include water for crystal and imported china. And the sheik uses limousine when he visits the United States. And the rest of the time, he leases it out. That's what I may call rich. I might call that. Harvard psychiatrist Robert Cole cites characteristics he found to be common among the children of the rich. He said this, he calls it a sense of entitlement. Now stay with me. He said most children, he said when they're asked what they will be when they grow up, say something like, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a firefighter or I want to be a lawyer or I want to be in politics or I want this. They don't add if things work out or if the money is there, if I can pass the test. But those phrases, he said, are implied. But they said the children of the rich, Cole said, tend to answer the same question like I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a nuclear physicist. The implication is whatever I want, I'll get. Along uh, with the sense of feeling everything is possible for them and may go the feeling that they are entitled to take personal credit for things they get only because of money and connections. It may remind us of that devastating barb hurled by Ann Richards, <laughs> whom I happen to like, because I like the fact she rode a motorcycle. At George Bush at the Democratic Convention years ago when she said he was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. <laughs> that's funny, I don't care. If a Democrat smacked a Republican, that's funny. Years ago, Charles Bray III, former deputy director of the United States Internal Communication Agency, put it this way. We have come to a time where we say, I deserve a break today. Too many of us believe that. If we're poor, we think we deserve welfare. If we're rich, we think we deserve a tax break. If we're workers, we think we deserve fringe benefits. If we own a Chrysler, we think we deserve a bailout. <laughs> if we are special interests, we deserve special hearing. One of the greatest enemies in our culture today is an entitlement mentality. It is the opposite of gratitude. And the idea that somebody owes me something has created a society that is soft in personal responsibility for our own lives. <laughs> Churchill said it best when he said the price of greatness is responsibility. Say it with me. The price of greatness is responsibility. When we realize that the world doesn't owe us anything, it really doesn't. We are then able to focus on the incredible potential that God put within us and uncover and release the greatness that is within all of us. Everybody put your hand on your chest and say, man didn't make this. Woo, God made this. And I can be what God wants me to be. I can be a better person. I can be a better me. So let's begin by asking ourselves, what does it mean to become a better you? First thing, you have to understand that God wants you to be everything he created you to be. God don't make junk. He doesn't. Secondly, you got to realize that God will do his part, but you've got to do your part as well. He's not going to hand blessings in the lap of laziness. But if you get up and you strive, God said, if you will, I will. And if you'll start doing what you need to do, 
I will do what I know how to do. I love the old song that they used to sing. I start walking your way and you start walking mine. And we'll meet in the middle neath the old Georgia pine. We gain a lot of ground when we both give a little. It's time we all understand we need to meet in the middle. Some of us, some of us want God to come and just lift us up. As an eagle would lift her young out of the nest to teach them how to fly. No, 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 no. You got to get yourself up in the morning. You got to dust yourself off when you fall down. You got to say, I will arise and I will go forth in the name of the Lord. And when God sees that get up spirit in you, God will do what he knows how to do because he does God real, real well. If I get born in a minute, I'll make the announcement of what we're going to do after a while. That'll get you excited again. <laughs> to become a better you, you've got to do two things. Number one, you've got to keep pressing forward. You've got to keep pressing forward. Everybody say, keep pressing forward. Keep pressing forward. And you've got to be positive toward yourself. Now, I'm not trying to be Zig Ziglar here tonight. I'm really not. But you've got to keep pressing forward. Backwards don't work. He that putteth his hand to the plow and even looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. You have to, everybody say, press forward. And I must be positive with myself. So let's talk about this keeping and, and keep pressing forward. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He said, I press on. Now, I want, to, I want to talk about those three words there. He didn't say we press on. He didn't say the church asked me to press on. He didn't say that all the congregation presses on. He said I. Everybody say I. I. There's not enough of me in this thing. We want everybody many times to take us where God wants to take us. But if you're going to have a, a better you in your life, you have to say I will press on. I will make something better of myself. We will not get better unless we challenge ourselves and stretch ourselves to the next level of living. Here's another statement I want to make. It's on the board. Put it on your refrigerator. Don't let your past victory become your last victory. Everybody say, keep pressing forward. I love the words of the famous architect, Frank Lloyd Wright. He designed many beautiful buildings and homes and other magnificent structures. And toward the end of his career, a reporter asked him, what was his, what, of your many famous design, which one is your favorite? And right without missing a beat said, my next one. My next one. I used to have a gentleman that came to church here that was a hotel builder. And he built huge hotels all over the country. And I just thought I'd see what he said because I knew what Frank Lloyd Wright said. So I asked him one day, I said, Mark, I said, uh, of all the things that you've built, you built probably eight or ten hotels, massive hotels around the world, around the United States and around the world. I said, I said, Mark, which one is your best? He said, the one I'm working on right now. And I love the fact that people who do big things in life always look to the next thing in life. I, I, I read a book. I read a book. I wish everybody could get a copy of this book. It's called The University of Hard Knocks. That's where I got my graduate degree, amen. But in this book, University of Hard Knocks, it tells a story about the old apple farmers that used to farm and, 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 and take apples and, and, and put, pick apples and put them in their back of their wagon. And they'd ride that, wa- that they'd have a horse that pulled that wagon to town and they'd, they'd put those apples in that wagon. And when they got to town 
It was amazing what they discovered. The apples that were the largest and the most beautiful had come to the top over the rough road that they traveled getting from the field or from the vineyard to town. And the, the, the poorest apples and the small apples were on the bottom. And they noticed every time they did it, once that, once that wagon shook up, the big things on that wagon shook to the top. And the little things on that wagon shook to the bottom. So one of these old farmers decided he would just run a little, a, a little experiment. So he, he got him a big old mason jar, a big old jar, and he put a bunch of walnuts in it and a bunch of beans. And he, he shook the walnut and beans up, just shook them up, the pinto beans. And when he got through, all the walnuts was on the top. And the beans was on the bottom. Now you experiment with this all the time when you open a bag of chips. You start getting chips that big. And when you get to the bottom, you have to get four or five just to have something to put in your mouth, have crunch. <laughs> what I want to say is simply this. Why don't you get a revelation that big thinking people shake up when things are tough and little thinking people shake down when things are tough? Everybody's going to go through life and we're going to get shaken on the corduroy road on the way to the city. But we might as well have our shiny apples at the top of the wagon when we get there saying, you know, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. And henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown, but not for me only, but for all those that love his appearing. Why don't we become people who shake up in life and not shake down in life? That's good stuff. Amen. You need to read it. My next one. Let me ask you a question. What's next for you? Are you assuming your best days are behind you? Or you believe some of your best days are ahead of you? Are you looking forward, expecting great things? I often hear people make excuses for being stuck in the same place. Well, pastor, I've been here forever. Well, why? You need to get off the treadmill. You really do. It's on that treadmill, you know. You need to get off of that. You need to get out on the road and walk and say, hi, neighbor, hi, neighbor. Where are you going? Oh, I'm getting in shape. You need to get off the treadmill. So many people are on the treadmill of life. You need to walk somewhere. I've achieved, some people say I've achieved a lot in my life. I'm better off than most. I can't complain. I went further than anyone expected. God never performs his greatest feats in your yesterday. I want to tell you a story about a woman named Frances Hasselband. Or Hasselbaum. You got a picture of her? There she is. Uh, let me look at her. That might not have been the best picture. She may not be real happy with me for showing that picture. No, that one's okay. That one's okay. You go to her page. Go to her page. Google her. Go to her page. And it asks for age. And it says 65 plus. She's approaching 100 years old. She's an amazing woman. I, I, I want to read some things. Let, let, me, let me just read some things. Let me just read some things. At 65, she became Girl Scout troop leader and faithfully for 10 years till she was 75. Then she was selected the CEO of Girl Scouts of America. And she was given credit to turning the Girl Scouts around. She led 2.25 million girls, 750,000 volunteers. This is when she was in her 80s. Stay with me. Paid staff of 30,000 for 14 years. That means she served till she was 89. Now she teaches leadership at West Point. 
you, you salute me, young man. You hear me? I'm your teacher. <laughs> 96 years young when I, when I wrote this down. 96 years young. A pastor, West Orange, one of my buddies, West Orange, New Jersey, had her come speak to his staff. And after she spoke, the Q&A took place. And one staff raised his hand and asked a stupid question, said, can you tell us your age? That's why she put 65 plus on her, on her page. She said, we do not discuss age. For to discuss age is to speak the language of the past. And if you're called to serve, you know what you should be doing. And when you get through with that, there will be something else waiting on you to do on the other side of that. Let me tell you something. If Frances Hasselban is not retired and she's pushing a hundred, who am I to say, you know, I've had a tough life. I'm 32. I like what Whoopi Goldberg said. And that, and that, and that, that, that act two, what's it, what was it called? Sister act two, get up off that thing and dance till you feel better. It's time for us to stand up and say, I can be a better person than I was yesterday. And God sees when you get up, he's going to get out and he's going to find you and lift you to heights you've never known in your life. Somebody help me teach right now. That's the gospel. Thank you, Miss Francis. Thank you. Hallelujah. Everybody say a better you. Woo. Your lives get better the minute you realize there's no future in your past. The minute you decide not to waste one more day of your life, get regretting yesterday, rehearsing yesterday, nursing and cursing yesterday, because God never performs his greatest feats in your yesterdays. You've got to overcome, not only do you press forward, but you've got to overcome your negative history. You've got to overcome it. Maybe you're struggling today because the people before you made some bad choices. Now, let's talk. I know all of us wasn't raised in church like me. See, I had a drug habit. My, my folks drug me to church on Sunday and drug me to church... <laughs> When I told mom I had homework, she said, well, this belt's going to cure that homework. <laughs> mom, I just got through with my homework. I'm going to church. But the things we don't overcome, the issues we leave on the table, we pass down to the next generation to deal with. So here's what I want to tell you. If you're a mom and a dad and a parent in this house, and you've got issues that you're dealing with, why don't you go ahead and just handle those issues? You need to give your kids a clean slate to make their own mistakes, not have to handle yours. Amen? Amen. Here's the good news. Every right decision we make, every time we honor God, when we do the right thing, not only are we making life better for ourselves, but we're making it a little easier for the generation that's coming after us. I love this story. One of the greatest tragedies in the history of the nation was the event of September 11, 2001. My wife and I had been to New York City with our kids a month before, and we went to the Twin Towers. And the terrorists flew the planes into the World Trade Center. And our country ha has responded in a lot of different ways. But I think one of the greatest ways that our country has responded happened when the United States Navy took seven and a half tons of steel from that rubble of the fallen World Trade Center and built a warship destined and designed for missions that included special operations against terrorists. 
And steel from the World Trade Center was melted down in a foundry in Louisiana. And when it was poured into the mold September 9, 2003, those big strong steel workers treated it with total reverence. In fact, they saluted the ship as it was being built. And the USS New York was being built with a sense of purpose by every hand that touched it. And the ship's motto was, we will never forget. One naval captain said, it has big meaning to all of us. They knocked us down, but they can't keep us down. We're going to be back. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I talk to people that say, you know, I was an abused person. I had abuse in my life. I had this, I had that. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom was a no-show mom. And, and, and we talk about that. And I, and I love people that overcome through that. But I will tell you something. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Because you had to endure that doesn't mean your kids have to endure the same thing. I understand. I understand that generational curses are alive in the world today. But there's a name greater than any curse. There's a name greater than any curse. Oh, I'm about to preach now. I wasn't going to get serious, but I'm about to preach. There's a name greater than any curse. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus is higher. The name of Jesus is greater. The name of Jesus is more powerful. The name of Jesus is more holy. The name of Jesus is more delivering. There's no, no name like the name of Jesus Christ. And when you call that name, demons tremble. Spirits have to be cast out because there's power in the name. I'm sorry, I got a little Pentecostal there, forgive me. Lord, 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 Lord. What we do when we get knocked down in life will determine if we get better. You got a choice when you get knocked down. We can lay down, stay down, or keep pressing forward. I refuse to let a negative in my past rob me from pressing forward. Luke 5, Peter's been fishing all night and caught nothing, and the Lord said, go out and do it again, Pete. And he said, Lord, we've... We fished all night. You don't understand. We, under, we are fishermen. We understand the waters. And he said, go fish. And Peter said, well, Lord, okay, nevertheless, at thy word. I'm asking this congregation at the word of a pastor preaching the word of God tonight. You need to tell yourself, I'm going to be better tomorrow. Yes. I'm going to be better tomorrow. I'm going to be a better college student. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better mom. I'm going to be a better kid to my parents. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be better to my wife. I'm going to treat people right. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to walk in with a smile on my face at the office instead of a frown on my face. I might literally enjoy tomorrow because I want to be a better person. Come on, let's do that. Clap your hands real big. Amen. I'm not far from finishing, but I'm not there yet. The second thing I want to talk about is be positive towards yourself. Be positive. Be positive. Don't talk to yourself horrific. Be positive to yourself. Strive to be better without becoming negative towards yourself. Amen? I love motivational speaker Zig Ziglar. He called it stinking thinking. He's talking about people who approach life with a negative attitude. 
The Bible refers to the enemy as the accuser, folks, of the brethren. Who is constantly bringing accusation against us, telling what we didn't do or what we should have done. And many times the voices in our heads causes us to live in constant guilt and constant shame and constant condemnation. Like, I'm not as spiritual as I should be. I didn't work hard enough this week. God can't bless a person with a past like mine. I don't, be, I don't deserve to be happy after what I have done. This is one of my favorite illustrations I've ever told in my life, and you're going to love this illustration. There's a town in Norway named Hell. Hell, Norway. H-E-L-L, Hell, Norway. A couple of Lutherans from the United States visited Hell, Norway sometime back and then sent a postcard to their pastor back home and he read it at a meeting of his ministerial association. And it broke up the group. He said, it said, Dear Pastor, we passed through Hell today and we're concerned almost everyone here seems to be Lutheran. Folks, you got to love that. <laughs> all of us, all of us are going to pass through hell. But David said, yea, though I walk. Yes. Yes. Not staying in the valley, but through the valley. Yes. You're going to pass through hell don't mean you have to stay there. Right. Mama used to have this famous saying, and every, every mama said it, she said, it don't matter if birds fly over your hair every now and then. Don't let them build a nest in your hair. You're going to walk through some things. My Lord, Tony Robbins has people walk over hot coals. I heard his last one. All of them burnt their feet. That's a fact. I heard that. But you're going to walk through some times in your life that you're not going to enjoy. But understand, you're just going through. You're not going to stay. And when you come out on the other side, you're going to be like the Hebrew boy. You don't even want to have any... Smell of smoke on your garments because God's going to be with you in all that hell you walk through. You know, you can't always run down here with the wind at your back. Sometimes you got to go up here with the wind in your face. And it's important to understand that when you're going through those times, you're going to get to where you need to go. Because if you stay positive with yourself, Paul said it this way, the things I know I should do, I don't. And the things I know I shouldn't do, I end up doing. But even this great man of God who wrote half the New Testament struggled with in this regard. That tells me that God doesn't disqualify me because I don't perform perfectly 100% of the time. I wish I did. I don't do wrong on purpose, but one of my greatest allies in becoming a better me is me. I'm going to get up. I believe in me. I believe I can be positive in this life. I believe I can make a difference in somebody's life. And not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a child of God, a son of God. He's born me, he's begotten me, and I belong to him. And I can make an effect and change in people's lives because of that God. Come on, clap your hands. You can do that. Strive to do better without becoming negative. Have confidence in yourself. Some years ago. Time Magazine reported on a ner nervous motorist in New Jersey, Lambert Lambertville, New Jersey. This man was being stopped by the police. He explained that he had been driving on 224 consecutive learner's permits <laughs> over the last 25 years. 
He said, I flunked my first driver's test and I lost my confidence and been unsure of myself ever since. So he drove on 224 consecutive learner permits. It's time to throw away the learner's permit. It's time to pick up your driver's license and say, I can do this thing called life. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I can do this thing called life. We all have inside ourselves an image of ourselves. And that image can be a poor self-image or a good self-image. And I'm not trying to preach some PMA doctrine, some positive mental attitude. I'm not. I'm preaching faith here tonight. But if you can look at yourself in the mirror and know who made you and know who designed you and be negative towards yourself, you're being negative toward the God that made you. Now, there was a kid that came in the night that had hair from here to yonder. He had the cutest little fro. And I rubbed it, and it was a soft fro. Just curls. Now, I, I got to tell you, when I was a kid, I had that. And I didn't think it was pretty back then, so I tried to straighten it out. And we, didn't have, we didn't have hair dryer, so I'd back comb it and put it against a wall heater, get it real dry, and then comb it. Because everybody in our school had straight hair. Now, if I'd have had curly hair, I'd have been the unique one of the whole school. And I had that. My Uncle John had it, and he was good looking. I had it. I didn't like it. But when I saw that kid tonight, I rubbed his head, and I said, if I had hair like you, and you had a nickel, we'd both be tickled. <laughs> because you know what? I can look back and worry and wonder. But, you know, when I look in the mirror, I think I'm anorexic. Because, because they say anorexic people see fat when they look in the mirror. And, <laughs> your self-image will help or hinder God's plan for your life. I look good. <laughs> when we see ourselves as unimportant, I'm closing, inadequate, incompetent, we sabotage what God wants to do through us in our lives. We have to see ourselves as strong. Everybody say, I'm strong. I'm, strong. I'm, capable. I'm capable. I'm competent. I'm competent. And I'm smart. I'm smart. Really? You got to say that. You got to open up your mouth and say, God gifted me. Say, God gifted me. God has placed me. The world needs me. My family needs me. My church needs me. My job needs me. Because God has saved me. Wow. Having confidence. Randy, if you'll help me. Having confidence in yourself is not for the purpose of replacing your confidence in God but for the purpose of demonstrating your confidence in God. So when I have confidence, I know that I have a God that loves me. I'm confident of him because I'm confident in myself. I just think, I really do think, one of the greatest things that you could continue to do in your life is to come to a church and come to a place well, when the world says you don't have it, you come here and God says you do have it. You need a church. You need a place, even on Wednesday night, even in the summertime, 
that lifts your spirits. It lifts your hearts. No matter how you look, no matter how you... I, I, I just want to compliment you. I just want to compliment you because there's so many people just come straight from their office, straight from work. And you come in your scrubs and you come in your clothes. You know, that I know you've been working. And there's two women that came in tonight and they said, Pastor, we sure enjoy the nice drive on Sunday morning from Georgetown. Georgetown. But said, Pastor, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little tough on Wednesday night, but they're always here. You know what? Because there's something here that just lets you know that I can be a better person. I, I can do better. I can do this thing called better. I want to thank Pastor Pugh. He's dead and gone. He's, he's with the Lord. But I want to thank him. I want to thank him for telling me when he was in his 60s that every day I woke up, I wanted to be better. I've got to be better. I've got to do things better. I've got to be a better person. I've got to love more. I've got to care more. I've got to give more. I've got to do what God wants me to do more. I've got to be the best I can be for God. Ed McMahon refused to come to low self-confidence. Fifteen schools he went to in high school before he graduated. And nobody knew him. Had a different accent than people he went to school with. And yet he hung on to his father's advice for dear life. That no matter how unfamiliar or uncomfortable the situation. He says, I've always tried to look like I'm supposed to be there. Let me tell you something. God put you here because you're supposed to be here. He put you here because you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to get here. Get that in your head. Confidence says God did not make a mistake when he made me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139. The same apostle, Paul, said, The things I know I should do, I don't. The things I shouldn't do, I end up doing. Also said, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. And with that, I close. With that, I close. Don't let, don't let your imagination destroy the will of God that's put, been put in your life. Imaginations will try to destroy, but cast down your imaginations and hang on to the will of God. And God will do great things in your life. Would you clap your hands? You're awesome people. that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.